0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
1: VoiceOver on settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
1: Books, contacts,
0: calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to
1: iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Go to thetimes.co.uk.
0: Thanks for joining us on the game podcast bonus, and uh, um, with me this week, uh, delighted uh, to be with uh, with Julian Lawrence. Um, Julian, I wanted to, to obviously on the weekend we we marked the passing of of, of Socrates. The, great Brazilian midfielder and one of the things that, that struck me he was known for was he was he was somebody who had a very strong sort of a very intelligent man but also somebody who had very strong political views um, he he as you may know at the time that he was playing in Brazil there was a, a military dictatorship that was slowly transitioning towards democracy but clearly not not uh, certainly not quickly enough for for a lot of people especially a lot of people on uh, on, on the left uh, the way socrates was um first of all I, I wanted to get from you Socrates spoke about how he kind of felt it was his responsibility as a very as a, as a very um, a popular um, footballer, a guy who clearly had a, had a soapbox who could address to people. It was his responsibility to speak out on on such issues. Um, does a player have a responsibility simply because they're famous? Or do they only have a responsibility if they're famous and also intelligent?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's when they probably at least feel more sense of responsibility when they actually have a brain, which is quite rare in football those days. But... Obviously, you know, like you said earlier in the in the podcast itself, no one will ever come as close as Socrates in terms of the way he was off the pitch as well and everything he's done for, for the people of his country. Um, in, you know, in French football, yeah, maybe Contenac could come, in a way a bit close to Socrates because he's always been very much involved. He's always spoke his minds. You know, recently he asked everybody in France to take all their money off the banks because they were the bad people. And yeah, was- but
0: so if I want to jump in on this i I can see the canton and Socrates' comparison, the look, the sort of philosopher. But Socrates said intelligent things. Yeah, everybody simply causing a run on the bank by removing their money from the bank <laughs> oh, no, is not God. an intelligent
1: thing to say. It's a dangerous and yeah, I mean, has Cantona actually political, said though. it was? It was political, and I mean, you know, Cantona was never afraid to right or wrong, but was never afraid to speak his mind up and and say stuff, even if they were stupid. But what are some of no some of doctor. the examples of the intelligent things, intelligent political things Cantona said?
0: Um,
1: that the French manager when he played was a piece of <laughs> no 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 more seriously no 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 but I I get your point it, obviously Cantona was not a doctor he was not you know he didn't graduate in philosophy he tried to be a philosopher but he was nowhere near but he was just I was just trying to find someone in the modern world you know modern football so after well, the Manu Petit's been quite outspoken right yeah, he's been. He's, he's taking position. Obviously, the, the the main one we've got is Lillian Taram, who, in a way, maybe you can compare more to Socrates, because you know he took position for people. You know, especially for for immigrant people in France, for black people in France, for poor people as well. He's done things. He was part of an ethical committee of the French Federation to make. Um, you know people and in football and off football as well, more equal to themselves. So Turam was, you know, where are Socrates? Is. But, you know, as I think those kind of people are getting more and more rare in football and it's a shame. Um, is that because, I mean, you start, here in England, um, there aren't
0: many who've come out with that. Uh, I'm always struck by the fact that it seems that, you know, Joey Barton and, and Rio Ferdinand via Twitter they come as close as anybody to saying political things or or things that go beyond that. Um, And and I always sort of wonder, like, when we... It seems to me in this country, you know, certainly compared to to the continent, um, you're not encouraged to talk about politics or indeed social issues. Like, there's, there's a time and a place for it. And I kind of feel that, you know, when I have spoken to footballers in this country even intelligent ones that, you know, if I'd asked them about politics, they would have looked at me as if, you know, I had three heads. Um, Is that the sense you get over here? Should
1: the media be asking these people? Should they be sharing their opinions voluntarily? Yeah, I think they should. You know, I think it's not because you're a player that you don't have good opinions either. But, you know, something really funny is um, the, the, the French team that went to the World Cup, I know it was a disaster, but among the 23 players, only one took a book, to the actual World Cup. The others had their iPad, their Nintendo DS, whatever you wanted. Just one, Johan Gorkiew had a book. Just, just, just those players now nah, don't read. Maluda didn't have a book. Didn't have a book. But he had a Kindle, I bet. <laughs> no, no Kindle. He had that, his Nintendo DS, no book. And you know, when, when, when Turan was a player, after training, he used to come home and read. And, and that's how, you know, he learned things and everything, and Socrates was the same today they play Call of Duty all day long after training or Mario Kart or whatever or FIFA 2012 and, and this is it the, you know the players today because they don't want to or you know they're not clever enough they, they just don't want to to have you know knowledge to learn things, and then if you know without that they can 't speak about current issues they can 't speak about problems they can 't you know speak about politics and, and things like that and I think I think maybe at clubs now the younger players should be educated in a way that there 's more than football and you know um, computer games and things like that and, and I think maybe as soon as the 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 academies in football clubs they should teach their, their players. To, to maybe do a bit more you know when they're not training to, to just educate themselves Do you think footballers today are are less uh, educated than say when completely, you were playing? Completely It's it's rare now there is, I did a piece the other day in France about that Oxa player who actually had his A-level but it's <laughs> so rare in France now to play professional football and having passed their A-levels all of them have stopped school at 14 or 15 you know and 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 someone like Oberton, for example, in Newcastle has his A levels and he's a bright guy and he's a bright kid. But he's so rare now and I do believe they're they're very much less educated. They don't really care about anything else but, you know, their own little life and their football and their money.
0: I sometimes get the sense that those footballers who do speak out on on anything to do with politics that unless they touch upon two or three very basic issues that we can all agree in like unless they talk about you know no racism no violence you know fight poverty as soon as if they ever stray outside of that those very basic messages that I think you know everybody would would, would embrace then all of a sudden we tend to we tend to view them for, for, for suspiciously especially footballers on the right it, it's, it's funny because I I bet that the vast majority, certainly of English footballers, probably vote on the right, um, and not just because of taxes. And yet I have never heard anybody, not one, come out and make an argument in that sense. Um, maybe most footballers everywhere. Um, but very rarely do you... It seems that the only footballers who, who are given... Uh, whose views are given any, any, any room when they come up are those who... Are on the left when they're sort of romantic figures. But even then, it's kind of, it's not really left. It's like, a, it's like the vague sort of peace and love argument. Um, and on the right, if they ever say anything out of line, then they're, you know, fascists and they should, they're ugly and we should, you know, lock them in a, in a cellar somewhere. I mean, hey, am I excessive on this? No.
1: And you know, it's funny because you see, do you see many, many, many footballers after their the career when they've retired go into politics? it's really rare but you do see other sportsmen you know like Lord Sebastian Coe, Coe no, yes but, no, no but you know what? Yeah, I, obviously right. that's the obvious name but it's the same in France we have David Douye who used to be a judo you know uh, Olympic champion and everything who's now our sports minister and it happens in all the other sports but in football so it's either they're too too thick or they don't lie enough to be politicians right. or they're not good enough at lying to be politicians or, or maybe it doesn't interest them and, and, and like you I know loads of football players who don't vote
0: well, I remember David Beckham came out in a famous interview and said, "You know, he didn't vote, uh, although he did get political on it." He said he was um, he was very much in favor of gay rights and had plenty of gay friends and so on. I've heard him as well saying
1: that um, <laughs> that he was doing some homeworks with his kids and that um, the way they teached them math, were not the same as when he was a kid, obviously. Um, do you think in, in England it's coming – I mean, I was
0: thinking about that, you know, former athletes who've gone into politics. Obviously, we have our own example here at the Times and, and Matthew Syed, yeah. um, you know, former Olympian who um, who ran for the House of Commons. But um, do you think it's to do with the old sort of bugbear where certainly compared to countries on the continent, again, the vast majority of English players tend to come from um, from working class backgrounds, whereas – on the continent it's much more it's much more spread out socioeconomically.
1: Yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's a problem. Look at Turam, you know, like really, really working class background, never knew his dad, you know, mum working on her own, you know, raising the kids, but, but he still managed to even want as a player to, to educate himself on his own because, you know, he never really went to school, stopped school early, didn't have any degrees, but he wanted to. And I think when you want to, when you have the will to learn, to educate yourself, you, you know, you can.
0: Was it more the mindset then in England that you're just not supposed to talk about those things?
1: Yeah, maybe it's part of the culture. Yeah, maybe you know people know their football so so, so well now that it is better not asking them any sort of question that way and let them just talk about the football. It's funny because look at Joe Barton. He's a good example you took. He, he seems to have you know turned people's opinions through Twitter and other things, you know about who he really is and and it was a completely different image than the image he you know he seemed to have before. Well, it hasn't.
0: <laughs> my personal view not Hasn't really changed but, my view. It just seems like he learned to read and started reading. Yeah, but at um, least
1: he's showing it. Yeah, you no, know, he I, is showing an interest, yeah. Others. I mean, you know, you, uh, we, uh, we won't name names, but there are players in the Premier League today who are struggling to read and write. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that shouldn't be happening. and not, not only in football, but, you know, it shouldn't be an adult now and, and not being able to read and write.
0: I want to finish up by taking the conversation back to, back to Socrates, who... Uh, he talked when he talked in in 1982 at the the World Cup um, Italy beat Brazil 3-2 in in a match that Brazil you know sort of they only needed a draw they kept attacking and they played wonderful football but in the end they didn't finish and so on and and they went out and Socrates said something afterwards along the lines of but the point of the game isn't to win the point of the game is to play the point of the way uh, of the game is, is to create and we certainly feel as if as if we did that today, even though, you know, we're now we're now going home, um, and I wonder about that. I mean, that sort of sense has clearly gone out of football entirely. We do have an appreciation for for the aesthetic, I think, and it is an enduring one. But you know, it is results that obviously are, are paramount, and it's been that way for a while. Is that maybe one of the things that makes it different from from say music, or or the arts? um where you know musicians and artists are far more political far more outspoken the fact that there is no end result to what they do whereas there is in in football and so people pull back a little bit
1: yeah, and you know, I I would have loved to know what Socrates was thinking about football nowadays, just before he died, because he was definitely not the same sport as the one he used to play. He used to play football as a game, like you've just said, you know. And and well,
0: you, I mean, you can. I I read one of his recent articles, and they right. talked about, and it sort of tied back to what he did um, as a player when he was at uh, at Corinthians. He he sort of organized the team into. Uh, <laughs> into a collective um, where they all made decisions together about when the train and so on. And it was sort of, you know, pure sort of communist society. But he did say that, you know, football was probably the most reactionary um, part of society. And, And I think it's certainly hard to argue with that. I mean, I think you will find many, many more people, you know, On the right, with those sorts of views within football, Um, and not just players, uh, club officials, um, owners. um, Bizarrely, it's actually less so. Managers, if anything, it's for some reason I think maybe managers because they have a slightly different contact with people um, that there are probably more. It's more spread out between managers of the left and managers of the right. But certainly, I think the, the players and the owners. Um, fundamentally, it is a reactionary right-wing
1: world. And I think in that sense, Socrates was right. But you know what? I would have liked to know what you thought about the French strike at the World Cup last year. Because in a way, it was a very strong political act, you know, to go and strike and say, OK, we're not getting off that coach. But, but the, way we, the way they did it and, and the way they've instrumentalized it. it was ridiculous yeah and in, instead of being something that people could have said oh yeah look you know they stood up for themselves or whatever we actually shamed ourselves yeah but I, w- I, I would have really liked to know what you know as, as a communist man what Socrates would have made of you know as a player going on strike and not wanted to train and to get off a bloody coach at a World Cup surely he would have been outraged or you know I, I don't know I would have liked to, 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 to know his because that's well, the political act by, right. by definition I thankfully, um, through the magic
0: of Google, um, we, we can. can go back and find out <laughs> what he thought. He I honestly don't know, but uh, now you have piqued my interest. I'll definitely go back and check. <laughs> Julian Lawrence, thanks for joining me on uh, the Game Podcast Thank bonus. You guys, guys. <laughs> listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter